Side Bet Podcast, episode one. Here we go, Friday, December 1st. Already December, my God. Jonathan Giovanina Kinchin, producer Terrence the I'm Lafitte Pinkai. Episode one, guys, how are we feeling? Look, I, I feel great. Episode zero uh, was a lot of fun. It was, I think it was too hot for TV, so we had to, we had to save it a little bit. But uh, unfortunately, G had a lot of good one-liners in there, so hopefully, uh, hopefully she can she can show back up here today. Yeah, G, if this is gonna fly, you got to tone it down, man. All right. I know. I've I've been told. <laughs> I'm here good for the comedy. Good Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. Lots of good food. Um, you know, lots of good food. Lots of good sports. Uh, we watched the dog show uh, just for about five seconds, which was a which was a win for me. But we did have to watch the parade um, from start to finish before we could move on to the Lions game. But uh, it is what it is. Somebody on this show said Jared Goff was the dog show, but <laughs> I digress. Moving right along. That was an awesome weekend of college and pro football. Leads us to this first weekend in December, guys. We have conference title games. Week 13 NFL already underway. Let's get right to it, JK. Last week, game of the week did not disappoint. Philadelphia defeating Buffalo in overtime by three. Eagles were favored by three. No extra points in OT. Uh, I thought they'd win much easier. Now, for their trouble, despite their 10-1 record, Philly, three-point dogs at home against San Francisco. What do you think? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stay away from this game in, in terms of trying to pick a side. I, I think that, you know, they're both really good. Um, it, it's just a very close line. I'm looking more in the, in the over-under category. Um, and it's tricky because I, we talked about last week, I, I do these power rankings where um, with my experience that I had coaching, I, I've always felt that third down is the most important down in football. And it tells a long, long story about, how good a team is on offense and on defense. And I've taken those, those using pace and using how often they run the ball and, and, and how good their defense is. And I've kind of created some rankings for over under as well. Well, both of these teams kind of rank as like over teams, but I think when they're playing against each other because mm-hmm. of their styles, I'm really leaning towards the under because uh, 49ers are sixth in rushing attempts. The Eagles are fourth in rushing attempts. We all know that when you're running the ball, the clock, is running so it shortens the game a little bit both offenses are efficient both defenses are efficient so i think they'll get first downs punt and avoid short fields i like the under in this game the eagle defense has to be somewhat fatigued i think buffalo ran 90 some odd offensive plays last week which is insane terrence your mic's hot g jump in whatever you want like the eagles can't run this gauntlet right Going to KC yeah. and winning. Overtime thrilling win Buffalo. San Francisco coming to town. Next week they're in Dallas. Like They're going to stumble at some point, right? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I'll fully admit I liked the Eagles a lot last week against Buffalo. And uh, as you mentioned, it was a push, so I didn't get the cover. But I think this week with that gauntlet coming off Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, tough game. And they've got the Cowboys next week, which will be a huge game. I think that there is the potential of just a little – late season uh, exhaustion setting in and the 49ers also get a couple of extra days off coming off of that Thanksgiving Thursday night win against Seattle. So I think that two and a half, I actually really like the road team, the 49ers going into Philly. Any thoughts, G? Well, we all know I am a Jalen Hurts fan. 
but I do agree a little bit with what everyone's saying. And I don't know if anybody recently was on Instagram and saw Christian McCaffrey's Instagram about, is that, am I saying the name correctly? Yeah. Okay. About CMC for short, kind of like LP3. He, do you, did you see what his wife or girlfriend that they have to do? She has to change his sheets like every two days because of all the bruising and cuts that he has on his body. It was absolutely insane. And then they, they showed them all and like, they just kept like, she kept videoing them. And she's like, I changed these sheets two days ago and they were just filled with blood. That man really gets gets beat up. It's kind of crazy. Whatever she's doing between Tuesday and Sunday is 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 working. The dude is is a machine. Uh, something else to keep in mind: uh, more rain in the forecast in Philadelphia uh, would be the Eagles' third straight game playing uh, in such conditions. Uh, this game probably won't shatter any ratings that we mo- we're moving towards. Chargers. At New England, Chargers favored by six, JK. I didn't expect to see the Chargers favored by six against anyone anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an indication of how bad the Patriots are. You know, I, I kind of look at the Patriots like uh, like one of those horses that gets a perfect trip and still loses. I want nothing to do with that horse moving forward. You look at last week, right? They're playing the, the Giants, who are the 21st, 25th worst team on my stuff. The Patriots came in off of a bye, right? So you give one of the greatest coaches of all time a bye. You give him, you know, a great defensive coach facing a backup quarterback who came out to the Sopranos, which was the only Sopranos theme song, which is the only good part I think about uh, about uh, your boy Danny DeVito. And then, and then they even motivated the quarterbacks by putting them into a competition for two weeks, two weeks to kind of make sure that they're going to show up and play good football. They both played bad. They are just a bad football team. I like the Chargers in here quite a bit. You brought up DeVito. I didn't. I did love that post with the Sopranos theme. I just can't get over a dude, an adult, a professional quarterback who's like proud of the fact his mother does his cooking and cleaning for him. Even if you're proud, like keep that to yourself, man. Welcome to the life of Italians, Lafitte. What is wrong? Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Terrence, I, I subscribe to this like the West Coast team headed east early kickoff. I always think it works against the West Coast team. We're doing this relatively early. I'm like half awake. Like Bill Belichick didn't forget how to coach. You know, I, I'm not I'm not touching this game. Yeah, I actually really like that logic of the West Coast teams going east for an early game when it comes to like the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness. When it comes to the NFL, I think it's a little bit different. Uh, and then for the Patriots, as Jonathan mentioned, they're, they're just anemic on offense. Uh, they've scored 17 points just twice this year and once was in week one. So they've done it one time beginning in week two. So uh, the fact that they're not going to score more than 20 points, the Chargers, even though they haven't been putting up too many W's this year, I think still can get the best of the Patriots, uh, even moving east. Bailey Zappy, Zippy getting the start for New England. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, third on the depth chart going into week 13. Uh, wow. Miami, Washington. Dolphins handling the Jets Black Friday. Dallas handling Washington Thanksgiving, JK. The line opened at seven and a half, like already at nine and a half. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's a huge line move, right? When you when you can move above that kind of one touchdown, uh, that's a big line move. 
and, and it didn't happen like it was an early line. It happened like in a 24 hour period, meaning they got a ton of money uh, on the Dolphins. They're trying to get people the other way. There's one thing I'll say. I'll keep an eye out for this number. To me, it feels like the number wants to go above 10 to 10 or 10 and a half. But man, so many sports books will not do that because they don't want to get middled. And a lot of times these professionals are waiting for that line to kind of get over that hump, that over that milestone of that three points. And they'll play both sides and just try to catch the middle and really punish sports books. I, I think that nine and a half might even be feel like kind of a gift to me because I think it could be higher. The Dolphins are just so explosive. They create so many challenges for a defense, right? Tua gets the ball out of his hands fast, neutralizing the pass rush. The outside run game, having those big guys on the front end run side to side, also neutralizes the pass rush, which sets up perfectly for the best wide receiver in the game in, in, in Tyreek going deep when Tua decides to hold on to the ball a little bit. He, he's, he's not getting pass rushed in the way that you would think. Uh, the motion that they use puts a lot of uh, pressure on the defensive ends and the safeties to kind of come up and help with the outside run game. Um, I, I just think that they're outstanding. And, and, and I think that as goofy as they might come off as times with, with, with the head coach and, and we've been watching hard knocks, I think they're a really good football team that can beat anyone on the right day, given the right circumstances. Gee, I, I mean, X's and O's aside, like I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of this head coach. It kind of looks like Mark Anthony on the sideline, like calling plays, but I like this head coach. So a few things. I think the Dolphins are my new favorite team. It's hard. Whenever I watch Hard Knocks, I just start gravitating towards that team. Oh. Um, my brother, Joey, will absolutely kill me. But Tyreek Hill was on a podcast the other day, and he said – when he he's never anybody's side chick. So like, that's why he did it like playing for Kansas city, but also he doesn't like barbecue and prefers to go to Nobu. So all time favorite player. And also um, Mike McDaniel, the head coach, his fashion shoe fashion, I should say, because he literally wears um, I think khakis that you could buy at like Costco, but he wears that with Bottega sneakers or like off white. And I mean, you have to give that man some props. <laughs> it always got like like one leg is like like rolled up and the other one's all the way down. It's is that fashion. by accident? Is that on purpose? It's fashion. That's fashion. <laughs> That's fashion. Forward. I like him mixing it up and talking trash to Jet fans the other day. They're making fun of him because he's standing next to the heater. He's like, "Yeah, I'm cold, and guess what else? I'm winning too." <laughs> yeah, I, I, not, I, hard, I, not I, hard to win. I, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I, I look. I think just like I think it's exciting when. Then the, the the cookie cutter mold of what a head yeah. coach is supposed to look like. I, I appreciate the fact that we're breaking away from it a little bit. Uh, I don't think you have to be 60, uh, 65 white and, or, you know, 45 black and an ex player. I, I think that there's a lot of different ways that a head coach can look. The reporters are like trying to run him down for uh, an interview right before halftime. He's like out sprinting him to the locker room. He's, he's got, I, I, I'm a fan. Uh, teaser opportunity, JK, a couple of games, Kansas city, six and a half point favorites over green Bay. That's Sunday night. Jags favored by seven and a half over Cincinnati minus Joe Burrow Monday night. Why do these two games stand out to you? Yeah. I mean, I just think when you can get games like this that are right at that minus six and a half minus seven, minus seven and a half, and you can tease them down to have the best team in the game win. 
I think it's a really big opportunity. It's, it's one that I like to look for. The Chiefs are better than the Packers. We all know that. And now the Chiefs might get a Packers team that's motivated, that shows up. Or maybe, you know, Kelsey's in Argentina for, for Swift's, uh, you know, concert this weekend. They don't play great. But having the Chiefs to beat the Packers, I think, is something that we can all kind of lean on. The same as the Jaguars beating the Bengals. I think the Jags are actually pretty damn good. And, uh, and, and obviously, we know what's going on with some of the, the injury woes with the Bengals. So I kind of like this idea of, of using, uh, using these two games in a teaser. You could also kind of mix in a little bit. If you wanted to mix in a little Georgia uh, in college football, I think that wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be an, an unsafe addition. And then even a team like Oregon, we'll talk about in a little bit, minus nine and a half, but you tease them down to two and a half. Mm-hmm. Now you're underneath that field goal uh, underneath that field goal line. So you can kind of cook up some nice little teasers there, just trying to get the better team to win. Banking on the downfall of the Bengals because Giovanina pretty much cursed Joe Burrow into oblivion. Terrence, lifelong Bengal fan. They are one couple of plays from winning a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They are a play from going back to the Super Bowl last year, now on a downward spiral without Burrow. What did you see? Any confidence, newfound confidence inspired based upon the play of Browning in his uh, NFL, his first NFL start last week. Yeah, I didn't see anything from Browning last week to give me any optimism. I know it was against a tough Steelers D, uh, so you give him a little bit of a leeway there, uh, but he didn't really show much. In fact, the one red zone opportunity they had that really could have changed the outcome of that game, he threw a pick. Uh, so I'm not seeing much. Also, uh, there's a couple of uh, notable injuries as well for the Bengals, uh, namely Cam Taylor Britt, their best defensive back, is uh, out moving forward on Sunday against the Jaguars. I think that's just uh, uh, a huge key defensive injury. So combine that with Burrow out and there's little hope for the Bengals. I did want to ask one quick thing, Jonathan, if you can give a 30 second quick explanation of a, of a teaser for any of our audience that's unfamiliar with how that wager works. Now look at the producer in you. Yeah, so a teaser is, is a way where that you can move the line in your favor, but you have to have multiple teams. So you can you can have a two team teaser, a four team teaser, an eight team teaser, and you can move the line in your favor between six. You could do three, usually three different levels to it: six, six and a half, or seven points. So let's say, for instance, that a team is the the the, the Patriots. Let's go with the Jaguars being minus seven. If you pick the Jaguars minus seven, you will tease that down to a pick. You'll just take that seven points, put it in your favor. But conversely, you can also do it with dogs. So if you have a team that's plus 10, they're getting 10 points, you can tease them seven points up to 17. Now they're getting 17 points. It's a way to move the line in your favor, but the key is you have to have multiple teams. And then obviously the odds uh, are, are, are correlated there. Line manipulation, part of the teaser and the strategy. Cincinnati, G, uh, Joe Burrow for the uninitiated, got under your skin because he's posting about, do your work in the dark, man, right? So now he's injured, his rehab now and everything. Is he doing it in the dark or is he like posting everything? Are you following? Do you care? I actually, I unfollowed him, but I feel we're gonna know every step of the way with his recovery, you know? You're not gonna do that in the dark, are you, Joe? <laughs> See what happens? Karma is a, is a, is a fickle you-know-what. Uh, here in Los Angeles, Brown's in town to face the Rams. Rams favored by three and a half. 
perhaps JK, because it sounds like Joe Flacco. Yeah, that Joe Flacco in his 17th season or whatever it is. Uh, Joe Flacco taking the snaps for Cleveland this weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, they, uh, the, the, the Deshaun Watson experiment hasn't necessarily been working well Man. for them. You know, look, Joe Flacco is a serviceable quarterback. Uh, am I cutting in line to, to, to bet uh, the Browns based on how good their defense is because they got a serviceable quarter, quarterback? No, I, I think the more important thing is what's going to happen with Miles Garrett, right? Their defense has been outstanding. Their defense has been a defense in which I believe that you can lean on to get you wins. But if Miles Garrett isn't playing, that significantly impacts their defense from a pass rush standpoint. It's not just sacks, it's pressures. It's how you affect the way that an offensive coordinator calls plays where they're scared to run to the left. They're scared to not leave a tight end uh, over there to chip and help with Miles Garrett. It changes the entire uh, outlook of a game and makes sometimes instead of being ambidextrous, having your left and your right hand, you become a right-handed team. And that's a much easier team to defend. I think that this game matters more about it's miles Garrett playing and significantly less about who's playing quarterback. 17 years ago, G seven, when, when Joe Flacco broke into the NFL, like what was Giovanina Salibo doing 17 years ago? Oh my gosh. Really playing volleyball or basketball. <laughs> I was nice. in high school. High school, right? Yeah, I was in high that, school. You were like that, just to lend perspective. Yeah, that Joe Flacco under center for Cleveland. I think Garrett probably plays. Denzel Ward, uh, the standout corner for Cleveland, also banged up. Really good defense, but again, a little bit banged up playing on the road. Another injury to watch. Cooper Cup, who was like limping around the field in Arizona last week. Uh, yeah, the Rams dropped 37 on. The Cardinals, but this Cleveland defense is is not the Arizona defense. So some of the, the pro games that we're focusing on, and then the college slate, uh, conference title games, always such a fun couple of weeks in college football, from rivalry week to now the championship games. J.K., let's start with Oregon, favored by nine and a half over Washington, Pac-12 championship game in Vegas. Like, what didn't Washington beat Oregon in October? In Seattle, yeah, the, you know, look, this is this game is Friday night. So if you listen to this, if we get it up Friday and you hear this, then maybe you can do something about it. If not, I just hope that I'm right about this opinion. Uh, back in the day, we used to call this the opposite of the obvious, where like if it looked so obvious one way, then you definitely go the other way, just because there's something that you're obviously not uh, paying attention to. The fact that Washington is a is a is, is an undefeated you know, nine and a half point dog to a team that they beat in the regular season is saying a lot to me. I, I think this line is begging you to bet Washington. And I think that Oregon is going to cover the nine and a half. Terrence in the NFL, we say that it's really hard if you have division rivals to beat the same team three times in one year, division rivals play each other twice in college. They face each other once. Isn't the same logic. Doesn't it apply? Isn't it really hard for the same team to beat? A, a, a conference rival twice in the same season? Yeah, I mean, if you ask Ryan Day at Ohio State, it's tough to beat them once. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I, – I agree with you. And I, this line is one of those who – sometimes when I'm looking at the schedule the next week, I kind of try to guess what the spread will be before I see it. 
And I did not have Oregon minus nine and a half. I thought Washington would be favored. I thought they'd be a slim favorite. I thought about two and a half or so. So I was way off on guessing this line, which I guess tells me that with my logic, I probably should be betting Washington. But it scares me that the line was set there. It makes me think mm-hmm. somebody knows something I don't know. Uh, so I probably won't be playing this game, but I will be watching. It is my uh, game I'm most excited to watch this weekend, uh, Friday night. Because last week we got the Ohio State-Michigan, which was an extension of the college football playoff. This week we get Washington-Oregon, a win and you're in essentially, a lose and you're out. So we get the college football playoff before the college football playoffs. Do you hear? You see what he did there? He did win and you're in with the purple and gold team. I, 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 picked, I picked, that, picked that up, Terry. Impressive. Impressive. Just second nature. A last Pac-12 title game, like as we know it. Enjoy this one in Vegas Friday night. SEC title game. I have a feeling G has an opinion on Nick Saban. Like the vampire Nick Saban. Alabama, you just can't kill him. A miracle win over Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Number one ranked Georgia, favorite six and a half, JK. I'm not asking you who you like in this one, but how many points do you think are going to be scored? You know, these games are tricky, man. Like, and I, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I'm just being honest with you. These are those, when these two teams play, it's either like 13 to 10 or it's 48 to 45. Like, it, 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 and it has a lot to do with turnovers and special teams. Because a lot of times in those high-scoring games, there's a lot of turnovers, there's a lot of short fields, there's a lot of explosive plays on offense, and teams are just kind of going up and down the field. They're making plays, um, and it's hard to judge. I will say this. Alabama is built for these types of football games, but this is not the Alabama that we've seen in the past. I can't take the six and a half, like I mentioned earlier, maybe teasing down Georgia or even teasing up Alabama. I think, you know, getting seven in your favor – I think can help one of these sides be more digestible. But I will say this, uh, you know, Nick Saban is a, is a is an outstanding football coach, and he always has been. A funny little aside story is I worked with a guy that was a GA on one of his staffs, and Nick Saban used to cater out lunch every day during the football season, uh, I think when he was at LSU, for the, for the staff. And everyone always says, oh, that was so nice of him. And the guy that worked for him said, no, 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 no. It's because you couldn't leave. That's why he catered out lunch. <laughs> like, like a like a warden, G. Nick say like we know Nick Saban not not as cool as a Mike McDaniel. Fashion wise, absolutely not. Did that documentary? Um, I mean, he's it's insane. That man is insane. Like you do have children, Nick. I don't know if you remember, but you do have a family. Maybe give them an ounce of attention. Doesn't happen. He's he's just like a, he's the, he is the the, the Terminator. But uh, Alabama going to have their hands full. Number one ranked Georgia SEC title game, AAC title game in New Orleans. Tulane SMU Tulane favored by four and a half. Uh, JK upset alert question mark. Yeah, I mean I like SMU in here, and, and we'll dig into the power rankings as we go through here and how I kind of created them and some of the stats. But like I said, I'm very third down heavy, whether you're converting third downs on offense or you're getting people off the field on third down on defense. I think it tells a full story about your about your offense. It talks about your coordinator's play calling ability. It talks about your offensive line's ability to protect, run the football. It talks about your blitz pickup. It talks about your pass game efficiency, your running efficiency, because if you're converting third downs, you're in manageable situations. If you're not in a manageable situation and you're converting third downs, then you're executing at a high level. I think the same can be said about defense. 
SMU is ranked very high on my stuff, higher than Tulane. So I'll definitely take the four and a half uh, to get started there. And one of the things I love about plus four and a half is it just takes a field goal for you to be out of reach of a touchdown. Gee, promise me you'll watch the ESPN 30 for 30 on SMU. I would love to. Promise me you'll watch it. Promise me you'll watch it. We'll we'll revisit next week. I'm still salty about Tulane beating SC in last year's whatever bowl. So, so I, I hope you're, I hope you're right. Well, Lafitte, yeah. it's, it, it's teams that start with the letter T have a great record when oh. facing USC. I, I'm not, I'm just telling you it's in it, you, you Google it. It shows up. Why does that still sting? Like why every replay, every time we discuss it, like it still stinks moving right along from the AAC to the ACC championship game, Florida state, Louisville and Charlotte, Florida state defeating Florida last week without Jordan, Travis, Jonathan, serious implications, playoff implications in this one. You are a big Louisville fan this weekend. Yeah, I'm a huge Louisville fan this weekend. I mean, I, I can't uh, I can't express it enough. Hopefully all of our horse racing friends will be happy uh, the, from, from Louisville. I mean, I don't have a strong opinion. Florida State's really good all around. Obviously, missing their quarterback is going to hurt quite a bit. But uh, I'm going to have to just watch this game because I'll be rooting like hell for Louisville because it's the only chance – that I can see for Texas to somehow find their way in. And I don't even think that alone will be enough. I think that something else will have to happen as well. All right. And finally, the Big Ten title game, Michigan favored by by, by just 23 and a half over Iowa. A lot of respect for the Hawkeyes out there. I, I guess the Sharps, Jonathan, like aren't worried about a, a Wolverine, quote unquote, big game hangover going in. Yeah, I mean the way they showed up and played, it, it, it's it uh, it did creep up to twenty three and a half. It's crept back down to twenty one and a half. Not an overwhelming move, though. I mean the the move between twenty three and a half and twenty one and a half is not one that uh, that I'm overly uh, worried about. But I will say this: it's just a very odd line. It's minus twenty one and a half, but the over under is thirty four and a half, mm-hmm. which is just it, it just that the, what they're suggesting is going to happen here. Is very, very sneaky. I think there's an absolute opportunity here, and I think that opportunity is the under. The fact that the line is so high with Michigan, but the under is so low, makes me feel like this is going to be an absolute and complete domination. And then I think Michigan, the way they run the football, it's going to be a very short game. And I actually, the fact that it's under 34 and a half, they are begging you to take the over because seven times. Uh, five is 35. I, I just, I, I, I'm a huge under fan in this game just because of the math. Uh, it doesn't even matter what the football teams are telling me. Right there in real time. You've got like seven times five is 35. That's I panicked a little bit when I said it. I got to be honest. I did. I panicked. <laughs> we were, we were doing Austin's math homework last night. So we had a little refresher. Austin, I'm sure, is, is, is doing the teaching in, in that regard. G, are you, like, dreading or looking forward to this weekend with Jonathan hoping the pieces fall just right, like football's version of Tetris here, trying to see if Texas can find their way into the Final Four? It's exciting. I mean, obviously, we always hope the Longhorns get there in football. We'll talk about basketball some other time. But it's exciting. I like watching football. Austin loves it. We hang out. We're actually in Texas, which makes it that much more fun. Lots on the line. Lots on the line. You touched on the hardwood college basketball real quick, just like an overview at the moment currently with Purdue. Just real simple, guys. Ranked number one. Should they be? 
Well, I, I know G's got a lot to, to say about this one. I'll say this. Based on their performance in Hawaii, I think the answer is yes, right? I mean, they beat a couple of really good basketball teams in Marquette and Kansas. They've got a, re, you know, a, a handful of returning players. But even just from a stat standpoint, I mean, uh, they're 23rd in Division One in free throw attempts per game, 26.6. I mean, if you're at the stripe 26.6 times a game, that's a huge edge. And they're third in the country in three-point percentage. And they've got a seven-foot-four guy on the inside. I mean, that gives them a lot of different ways uh, to win basketball games. But I will say this. I do believe that in the long run, they're going to be very dependent on how refs call their games. And I think that could impact how good they may or may not be. Do you have a different perspective we should be looking at this from? Um, it's not that much of a different perspective. Do I? They deserve to be number one right now, but I do think that teams are going to start figuring out because not every team has a seven foot four guy in the middle. I think teams are going to start figuring out how to guard him with their smaller guys. I don't think Edie is the most most athletic player on the on in college basketball, and I think teams are like Marquette was starting to figure out how to strip him of the basketball when he was putting the ball down, which as a big guy. Why are you putting the ball down, my guy? Like, just you literally don't have to jump. Just, just put it in. He has to just place it in the basket. Um, I think that Marquette played them very well, and we're starting to figure out how to strip him. But the issue is, is that refs constantly put the other team's big guy in foul trouble, and then Edie is just out there just running game on all these people. Like, it's insane. I really hope. I don't think that they deserve to win a national championship. We'll find out. We cover a little bit of everything on this show. We'll talk jockey sometimes. 5-1. Kids in college. 8'2", 7'4". It's insane. Guys, it's been an absolute blast. Our, our episode, our first episode, might, we only lost a producer. I'm impressed. I thought, we might, I thought we might take some more shrapnel and casualties. Well, Lafitte, they always say on, on our network in the Money Media, we always we have a, a running joke, dodgy hotel Wi-Fi, um, as the reason we have technical issues. It sounds like dodgy aqueduct Wi-Fi is the reason we lost T. So that's an moving forward. So I know that's an acceptable excuse within this family. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Pleasure, guys. Look forward to uh, next week's episode and see uh, how well we did on this one. Enjoy the games and best of luck. To your Longhorns, JK. Hook them. I can't believe I just said that. Mm -hmm.